This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, summer is officially over, and this little radio host, Maureen McGrath, is not too happy. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, a show all about health. Your health is your wealth and leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and yes, 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 even sexual. That's the cue to put the kids to bed because we always uncover what lies beneath the covers. I'm a registered nurse, nurse continence advisor, and sexual health educator. Listener discretion is advised. I have a passion for evidence-based health information to guide you so that the life you lead is the best it can be. My aim is to provide you with up-to-date information so that you know there are options for treatment for whatever ails you. This show is not a replacement for a visit to your doctor. Andrew, how are you this evening? I'm okay. I'm uh, recovering from a cold. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Don't apologize. You didn't give me a cold. A man cold, though? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing doing a lot. uh, I don't know. It wasn't a man cold. It was just, I don't get that. Like... (laughs) If you're sick, you're sick. Be quiet about it. Like, <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. That. Either, either you know, <laughs> do what you have to do. Like, I'm. I've still got my package of uh, of lozenges here. The, uh, and that's what women do. If they're sick, they're sick, and they don't say anything about it. Well, why do I, the only th- the only time I say if I'm sick is if you know I have to go to work, and I say, guys, I'm sick, so I will wipe everything down. Right. Exactly. And then but, I just go on with the rest of my but life. Typically, guys, they act like they have pneumonia they're on men please stop this you're making us look bad but you know the way we are you andrew and the rest of uh the women uh we women this could be why modern women are struggling so much and i'm going to talk about that very Mm -hmm. shortly on the program otherwise you had a good week a good week, a busy week, filled in on uh, Drex's show, who actually comes up right after us here in two hours. That's so. right. Well, yes. Well, good for you. Was... I've been, uh, my sleep schedule's been completely jacked backwards, and is... I've got to be up at eight o'clock on Tuesday, so this is going to be interesting. Sleep is critical yes. to health. <laughs> yes. And we certainly discussed that on the program, but so is self-care. You have to take care of yourself. So this week, I had a great week. That's good. I, what did you do? I engaged in so much self-care. It was just incredible. Like jasmine green tea self-care? No. Forget Aww. that. I go straight for the good stuff. Pedicure, manicure, mm. massage. Went for the whole thing. But, you know, and the, where they're stretching everything, <laughs> you're, you, you actually demonstrate your flexibility, which on a scale of 1 to 10, mine was 11. Just saying. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Loved it. But, but the best part of it was that I had a clutter counselor in to a, my home. A clutter counselor. A clutter counselor. Yes. And so I actually got rid of... Count them, seven bags of clothing, boots, shoes, coats, lingerie, dresses. Impressive. (laughs) Clothes with tags. Mm -hmm. uh, Gone. However, um, you know, so, you know, when you're, I actually do that a few times a year just to keep everything organized. And, you know, my dream is to have every piece of uh, porcelain in the kitchen match, every glass to, to match as well. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> I'm one of those, right? So if somebody brings in like a green mug with a label from a company on it, I'm like, get that out of here. <laughs> anyway, but then they have sentimental value, you know, mm-hmm. and really none of this stuff we, has, we have means anything. Mm-hmm. And it can also clutter up your mind. So I feel that's a very important aspect of, of self-care. 
is to declutter your life. But I went to a, I was going to call it a funeral, but it wasn't a funeral. It was actually a celebration of life Mm -hmm. today. You know how on the West Coast they do that. On the East Coast we have these macabre funerals. There's no alcohol, so all the Irish are in DTs for the first four hours of the wake. And, um, you know, and then we have the funeral. And then afterward, after it's all said and done, you can you sit down and have lunch and, and a few drinks. But here, celebration of life, open bar, it's stodgy a better way, It's club. a better way to do it, too. Like, <laughs> it is. I'm not just saying that because there's an open bar. But oh, like, sure. I think <laughs> it's more important to celebrate what was rather than mourn what isn't. That's exactly correct. And, you know, two things about the celebration of life that I went to, right? get in there right away, you know, sign the guest book. And I actually didn't even know the person who has passed. <laughs> well, that's okay. But I know his brother very well. And so you go for the family. You go mm-hmm. to support the family, of course. So I get in there and um, I see a woman in the, sh- the boots that I just threw away the other day. <laughs> Oh, small and I'm thinking, world. hmm, uh, are they mine? Did, did my clutter counselor already recycle those to some someone else in this town? Or should I go try and go to those bags? And why can't I wear those boots again? Anyway, <laughs> so that was the one thing. That was the less important thing. But the, the most important thing I think that was expressed at this celebration of life and that resonated with me is that they said time is your only currency. And I think in in today's world where we care so much about power and money and things and consumerism and, you know, the keeping up with the Joneses, um, you know, really the most important thing is the time, the time you have and the time you spend with family and friends. Would you agree? Call me a jaded Gen Xer, but you need money to have rent and food. But after that, yes, you I, I, I totally Gen agree. Xer you. I totally agree. Like in a, in in a, in a sentimental sense, of the word you're right. Time is literally money. And like, you know, this particular person had, as was pointed out by his siblings, he had no. Uh, family, you know, no, he had, didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. He didn't have a career. He didn't have a lot of goods. You know, he didn't have a lot of things. And and that's a was a juxtaposition to his family, who actually had a lot of that. And um, you know, at one point, one of his relatives said to me, "You don't even try to keep up with the Joneses." And I didn't know if that was a compliment or an insult. <laughs> But I was going to take it as a compliment. See, I really to don't me, care. that's a compliment. I really don't care what anyone else thinks. I mean, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, so they, you know, they were appreciating that. And I thought, you know, that's so true. Time is all that we have, you know. And so I spent my time this week decluttering and I found a wetsuit when I was decluttering. So I wore that swimming on Friday and that was awesome, except for I had it on inside out and backwards. Oh, so I. <laughs> Well, so I then put it on the right way today. There we go. And went swimming today. And there and there we were. So, you know, we've got lots to cover on the program tonight. We're talking about why modern women are struggling so much. We're talking about um, the uh, on Twitter, the hashtag why I didn't report and why women don't report. And I want to talk about that because, you know, I get that. I understand that. And I will share some stories that I have with that. Also, relationship troubles, uh, mental illness. We're going to be talking about September is suicide awareness prevention. 
Mission Month. I have a guest joining me. He's going to talk about what it was like to be raised by a single mom who had mental illness. Um, also, this came from a waitress in a restaurant this week who <laughs> was, uh, she wants me to talk about dating in your 50s and 60s. It's and um, what a nightmare it is. And I'm going to share why it's such a nightmare a little bit later on in the program. But with all of this, with all, we're all trying to be the best we can possibly be. But how is it that we can perform at our ultimate best? Well, David Ogle is joining me uh, from Performance Coaching, and he is a performance coach. I like that, you know. Sounds um, like something so- out of my high school drama class. I kind of like it. <laughs> That's exactly. Not, that's not a slight. Like not I at miss all. drama. Absolutely. That was fun. Absolutely. It's the only so, high school classes I really actively enjoyed. <laughs> well, we're going to learn how to perform. Not perform on stage, Andrew. Not perform in the bedroom either, but perform in business. So David is going to help uh, give us some tips on how we can perform better here and in all of our lives. And I love his style. And so when we come back after the break, he's going to join us. And uh, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, give me a call, 1-877-399-9898. You can email me, nursetalk at hotmail.com. And after the break, I'm going to tell you how you can text me. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for joining me uh, tonight, all of you out there in radio land. It's always my pleasure to be here with you, and I'm delighted to have my next guest in the studio with me. He is David Ogle of Dose Performance Coaching, and what I love about his style is that David combines neuroscience with leadership. He combines the, those two together because we use the mind as our biggest tool every single day. Good evening, David. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you. I love your style of coaching. You know, we throw this word coaching around. You're a performance coach. Everybody wants to perform at their top level, uh, whether it be in business or athletics. And you've coached uh, a lot of business leaders and you coach athletes as well. So tell me about your style and why it is that you deliver the type of performance coaching that you do. Yeah, I I think there's, you know, the word coaching is so big and, and there's so many types of coaching out there. You look at sports, you look at life coaches, you look at executive coaches and and the reason performance coaching really landed for me is I was getting into the world of coaching was um, to me, it's about results. People want results in their life. And, and what performance does is modify that, that idea of results to its results, but it's also looking at how I get the results. And it's, it's doing the things to get the results that's both fulfilling and sustainable for me in the long term. I think a lot of people get sucked into that rabbit hole of driving for results and forgetting what does that mean for the rest of my life? How am I actually approaching this? And is this even what I want? And to me, the, the beauty of coaching is helping people to stop. And, you know, you were talking about clutter earlier. Stop and declutter all those things and get really clear on what's important to them. Exactly. And so do you find that people, that business leaders, um, you know, male or female, you know, like to measure their performance? So they use metrics. <laughs> and uh, so they, they need to, they need the data, they need the information. And so do they land on a particular problem? And, and do they keep repeating patterns? Are you finding that those are the kinds of things that happen in their lives that prevent them from performing at their optimal level? Yeah, I think there, there's two factors to it. So one is on a personal level, so much of the accessible data is looking at the people next to them or the people running other organizations. 
And that's, that's not helpful. If I'm sitting comparing, how's my performance based on Jeff or Susan? It, I, I can't actually look at my performance on that caliber. So that's, that's a direction that's not helpful. Um, and then to your point, like the, the habits that people start to build is something works. And like, okay, this, this is the thing for me. This is how I do it. And then the world evolves. Like think of the world of business today versus the world of business 10 years ago. It's such a different environment. If I'm doing the things I was doing then, I'm, I'm not going to be relevant in a way that's important or fulfilling for me long term. And what do you see as some of the biggest issues for business leaders out there that are preventing them from uh, peaking? I think uh, the, the big ones are, you know, you hear the term uh, imposter syndrome a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that, that comparison. <laughs> yeah. and it's, I am, full disclosure. It's, yeah. it, any, anyone who thinks that they don't have any sort of imposter syndrome, I, I think is probably lying to themselves because mm-hmm. we, as humans, it's, it's how our brain works. We constantly are comparing things. And it's when the comparison goes unchecked, unaware, that's when it becomes dangerous for us. Um, but it, so one of the things that, that leaders come up against is, is imposter syndrome. And then I find it's priorities. Uh, again, the business world has evolved to a place of, we have cell phones that also work as computers mm-hmm. and, and we're constantly engaged in interacting with our work environment. So how do we actually stop and prioritize what's important to me right now without getting caught up on the shiny object? And, and, you know, this is where, my neuroscience background comes into it is the brain is designed to pick up, pick up on novel things. So a shiny object pops into the room right now. I'm going to be distracted by it, mm-hmm. whether, whether I should or not. And, and what I love about coaching, it's, it's why I've pursued this as a career path is it's work that, that sits down with that leader and helps them get aware of what are the shiny objects that are detracting them from driving for the performance that they actually care about as a leader in their business and in their life? Right. And you don't like the 10 lists on how to become a great leader. That's not your style at all, is it? <laughs> no, it's, I, I find there's, I actually wrote a blog post about this on Friday and there's so many lists out there. If you have a problem, there is a list that will solve it allegedly. And, you know, what I would throw in there is in the 90s, it was the, you know, the dummies guide, how to, what right. are, like all those books. Right. Um, and then you go even one step further is everyone's looking for a workshop to fix their problems. Mm-hmm. And, and the gap is there's no application coming out of any of that. I read a list and am I applying it? Am I walking away of the 10 steps to being a great leader that everyone should know? Do I go apply those steps in a relevant way to my team? And, and that's where coaching actually comes in is it's actually focusing on the application gap because that's what leaders are missing or needing, not more information. Their and, brains are already full of information. And, it, and it's kind of practicing what you teach them, like actually applying what they're doing. So, so my looking at my horoscope, that doesn't help me as to how my day is going to go with work, but I confess I do that. And it's kind of fun. Um, and sometimes it like it works. Um, but do you, how much, this is a health show and mm-hmm. how much does discipline, so health, obviously, if somebody is ill, they're not going to perform at their, at their best. But if, how much is that discipline, that going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, eating a healthy diet, limiting the alcohol, tobacco, that kind of thing, um, you know, managing your relationships at home, not being overwhelmed, uh, controlling your temper, uh, keeping, you know, being respectful of people in the workplace. How much does that contribute to um, your performance? 
It's huge. It's it's so important. I think when you consider discipline or, and you know just all the things that we're navigating every day, uh, the default mode network of my brain wants to habituate and make a routine out of everything. If I had to learn how to make coffee every single morning, it would be exhausting and I wouldn't get past that until noon. So I'd get nothing done. So fortunately, my brain creates a pathway that allows me to habituate that and I just do it. The problem is, is it's where discipline can go wrong. I get so disciplined in doing things one way that I never stop to shift it. But then that's also where I fall short is once I have that insight of, oh, I need to be disciplined in a different way. How do I build that new habit and, and start operating in a different way? And, and it's, it's challenging. Right. A lot of people in the workplace lose their cool. They lose their tempers, correct? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's cognitive load. We... we process things so deeply in our mind, both from a cognitive intellectual standpoint, but also on an emotional level that we hit a point where we just can't take any more. And when you think of when do people break their diets or choose to not go to the gym, it's not at 6am, it's at 6pm because you're exhausted at the end of the day. Right. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, the old halt thing. Um, well, th- this is great information. What's kind of your best uh, story in about 30 seconds? So anything come to mind in particular that you're quite proud of or, um, or something that repeatedly occurs? I, yeah, I, I think it's a, a general uh, view that I see that happens across coaching is so often someone is going about their life, doing things, giving their best effort and it's that moment when someone actually stops and says something out loud to someone else. And, and whether it's a coach, whether it's a friend, we've all had that moment in a coffee shop where mm-hmm. we say something out loud. And we're like, oh my God, I just said that. I don't believe, like, I actually don't believe that. But like, those right. words came out of my mouth. And I, when you ask my best story, I'm like, those are the moments that are so important for us to uh, capture it and, and actually make a change in our life. Insight. The website is dosecoaching.com. This is David Ogle of Dose Performance Coaching. David, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. I really appreciate it. We'll have to have you back. Uh, Your Instagram got tons, Instagram photo got tons of likes already. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Hell Show on the Chorus Radio Network, my friends. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Um, I did say that I was going to, I thought in this world of texting, Andrew, what do you think of this? That, you know, it might be hard for people to email me, but texting might be easier. And I actually have a public phone that uh, people can text me on. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I have it. I can give you the number if you'd rather text than email me. And it's 604-449-8459. You'll have to plug that one a lot, hey? 604, yeah, 8, no, 604. We're off to a good start. 604-449-8459, confidential too. Don't you worry about that. Um, so feel free to text me. I thought that was a, a good idea. Look, at I'm dropping everything here. On the- <laughs> it, it happens, you know, like cables and cords everywhere, technology just doing its thing. It These does. happen. I'm feeling a little claustrophobic here. Yeah, with all the screens kind of encroaching on you yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have a little bit of a, uh, I have a little claustrophobia, I realized, in that wetsuit. I was just like dying to get out of that wetsuit today. Um, actually, I was going to say I was surprised to hear that you had a wetsuit, but then actually I'm not really surprised that you had a wetsuit. Well, I went to October. 15th last year, swimming without a wetsuit. 
and everybody I'm sure else that wasn't that much fun. Had a wetsuit, but you know, <laughs> that's how you know you need a wetsuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm blonde. Don't forget. Um, but I thought, you know, who, whose hero am I trying to be? I mean, really, what you know? Why don't I just get a wet? And since I found one in the decluttering, which was amazing, I might as well. I might as well wear that. And it was awesome. It was great. It was really worked really well when I had it on. Right, that was so much better. But you know, we're so tired. Um, in the, we women, and Mary, I know you guys are tired too, but we women are so tired and modern women are struggling so much. We're struggling physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And, uh, my last guest said something about we're we're comparing ourselves to others. And, you know, I one time, uh, did a little five or 10 K run with a friend and she's got a big job. Like she's really super successful. <laughs> and so we were, we had signed up for the run and, you know, moderate runners, really poor runners. But anyway, we were in like the purple section and I said, Mary, let's go up to the yellow section where the yellow section um, was the faster runners. And she said, um, we're, we're not yellow runners. We're purple runners. And I said, nobody cares. Nobody knows you're living. And she said, that's harsh. And I said, it's true. Nobody knows you're living. So we go up to the yellow runners because I thought if we stay back with the purples, it's going to take us forever. We're never going to get out of here. So we go up with the yellows and we take off. They cut the ribbon. We take off and she trips over a tree root and 5,000 runners go by her and I wait for her and she comes, I go over to to where she has fallen and she says, oh my gosh, I fell and 5,000 people ran by me. Nobody knows I'm living. Exactly. So that's the bottom line. People care about themselves. Um, the other thing is something that I learned at this um, at this celebration of life today, uh, this fellow who was not married, had no children, uh, he, but he was a great uncle and he used to pick the kids up from school and they, they even made mention that um, he would, you know, multitask like the, the other moms and, and then occasionally roll his eyes at the those self-important other mothers, you know, and you just know that type, right? <laughs> if you're a mother, um, with, in taking your kids to school, you see those self-important types, you know, sometimes, as I said, in life, we really have to assess what is important. And so when we don't do that, well, we struggle, we struggle physically, we struggle mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We give away energy that we never had to begin with. Somebody always wants something or needs us, always. And so our, the energy demands are constant. They're incessant. And so we have to remember what truly matters. And that's part of that mindfulness every day. So many women are running on empty Honestly, I see so many depleted women in my clinical practice. They come in, they are crying, they are pale, they are thin. The thin part I'm jealous of, but no, I'm kidding. Um, they are, um, they are they're, they're a wreck and they're not depressed, although they think they're depressed. And I say that they are depleted. They are depleted of energetic resources that they have. And this can take months and years to rebuild. So you have to remember, you have to be able to say no. You have to understand what's important. You know, stick to your values. Uh, you can't do everything because a lot of women also are type E. Type E personality, we have to be everything to everyone. Because women get great pleasure from 
uh, and they're not actually seeking pleasure. That's another one. Anyway, they're not having sex, to be honest with you. I, I hear that so much. Women are absolutely exhausted. They're too tired. They go weeks and months without having sex with their, their partners, their husbands, their lovers. Uh, because they are constantly serving and fixing, because this natural people pleaser in us feels that this maybe gives us more value than we value ourselves. We bend and we break ourselves. We try to heal conflict. We try to help other people. We get involved in other people's lives. We judge other people. All of this is at the expense of your own well-being. So as a caregiver, you need to flourish because your health is critical, especially when you're caring for others like your children or your parents or your partner. So you must take care of yourself first. It's like it's like a savings account, like getting your check. You have to put your savings, a percentage of your money that you get in, 14% is what I recommend, into a savings account account immediately before you see that. So you must serve yourself first. Give yourself what you need. And, and you know, self-care is not one pedicure. Self-care is a process. Like I am literally on a self-care bender right now. <laughs> I am... <laughs> I am decluttering. I've had the pedicure, the manicure, the massage. I'm taking time to myself. I have five books on the go, which are all fabulous. Um, you know, I'm just taking time for myself. I'm accepting invitations that, you know, with friends that I may not have done at other times. So I'm really, I'm like so into me right now <laughs> and it feels good. It's kind of a change it, it, from that fast paced, busy work life, you know, and family life and home life that I, I lead. Everybody needs that little, that little break, that little side trip, if you will. Um, you know, that chronic overactivation of your fight and flight response of your nervous system is called sympathetic nervous system dominance. And, and when you're in this state, ladies, your body literally feels as though it is in danger all the time. And you, at the time as well, you overproduce stress hormones. And the stress hormones lead to impaired hormonal, imba- hormonal balance or digestion issues, sleep issues. I hear this so much. Uh, so many women are not sleeping. Uh, many women get chronic infections, maybe chronic colds, or they can't get rid of a cold. And it's really difficult to heal and repair and even reproduce in, when your body is in this fight or flight stage. Hormones can also play a tremendous role and because the hormones are fluctuating. The hormones are fluctuating, especially in the 40s, in, in that decade of life. And so it's kind of up and down and it can be directly related to PMS symptoms, so your mood, uh, your your uh, hunger, your appetite. It also um, may lead to things like endometriosis. There's a strong correlation with breast cancer when you're in this fight or flight mode and you're not taking care of yourself or you're letting your, you know, you're not exercising, you're drinking too much alcohol potentially because you're, you know, stressed and that makes you feel better in the short term. Uh, There's studies that have come out that say absolutely zero alcohol is, um, no alcohol is good for the brain. You know, a lot of women will stay up at night, they have their lists, they wake up in the middle of the night, they start doing the checklist, what do they have to do uh, tomorrow? It, It doesn't help you to get up in the middle of the night because you're losing sleep, your brain actually needs to recover during sleep. And sleep is 
the most vital, the most healing activity. You cannot survive without sleep. One time somebody told me that we are all three sleepless nights away from psychosis. I mean, honestly, your house will stand 100 years from now after you no longer are. If you're not standing now, there's no point in cleaning your house or having a perfectly clean house. It doesn't matter. To be honest with you, I like a clean house. And so that's why I declutter. (laughs) That's why I have a clutter counselor because it's so much easier to clean. The less you have, the easier. And when you have other people around, they make a total mess. They bring a whole bunch of junk into your home. And, you know, so you have to stay on it. So anything that is torn, ripped, or stained, and torn or ripped, I guess that's the same thing. See how tired I'm? No, um, stained or ripped or unfashionable <laughs> goes in the hefty trash can liner, okay? And have like three going upstairs at all times. Um, so you've got to be able, if you want to heal, you have to get your sleep in order. That's the number one thing. Um, and so, you know, the other thing is a lot of people look like they've got it all together and they give this impression that their life is perfect and that everything is amazing. Well, nobody's life is perfect. Everybody struggles. Everybody has issues. I promise you, even me, a friend of mine said to me one time, you don't have any issues. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have so many issues. I just don't put them on the airwaves on the, and you know, you wouldn't either if you had my issues. Um, but we have so much on our plate. Life is busier than ever. We keep saying, yes, we have our iPhones and our iPads. We can bring them to bed and when we should be bringing somebody else to bed. Um, So we also have this innate belief that other people are more important than we are. And that's not true at all. I learned early on in my Catholic school, Our Lady of the Assumption, that um, when, when the nun said to the entire second grade class, who's the most important person in your family? And kids were saying, my mother, my father, uh, my new baby, you know, that kid. I remember him thinking that that was right. And uh, she said, no, whose teeth do you brush in the morning and whose face do you wash? So you are the most important person to yourself. You matter the most. And you must deeply recognize that you are very worthy of wonderful things that this life has to offer. And this life has to offer so many wonderful things. Of course, we all have troubles. We all have sadness. We all have hard times. We all have challenges. And we all... You know, but we all deserve what is um, all that this wonderful world has to offer. You know, and and we might forget that, especially if you're juggling full time work and and childcare, and that can that is rife with issues as well. Your childcare person can cancel. You may have a big meeting at work, and you may not be able to go. It could be stressful. You know, a lot of the uh, house duties and the childcare duties fall on the woman. So we need to be better at delegating. We need to be better at taking a stand, at actually saying, you know, setting some limits and boundaries that this doesn't all always fall on the mother. Very difficult if you're a single mom uh, and without support around. But you know what? There are friends and there are other people uh, that you can bring into your life that are, you know, people love to help. So, you know, another thing I recommend women in my clinical practice to do is to sit by themselves and do nothing for one hour every single day because we lack that solitude, that silence, that stillness that is so important. That is the antidote to your busy, busy life that you are leading. And I consider this medicine. I consider the fact that you need to sit. And and you know what? Women don't even know what I'm talking about when I say sit and do nothing for an hour. They are just like, can I take a bath? Can I read a book? Can I go shopping? Can I um, not just not bring the kids with me? Honestly, I just say, no, you just sit. You sit on a park bench and you look at nothing. <laughs> you look at the trees or whatever. Or you 
you do nothing. And they really have a hard time with defining what nothing is because we have normalized burnout, exhaustion, and hormonal disharmony in this busy life that we lead. We have to stop thinking that it's normal that we are experiencing all of the issues that we are experiencing, anxiety, insomnia, burnout, exhaustion, overwhelming, feeling overwhelmed, overwhelming fatigue, nervous system dominance. These are not normal. These are the result of the busy lives in which we are living. And, you know, we we berate our bodies for their signs and symptoms when we don't take time for ourselves. So ladies, take some time for yourselves. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I want to give a little shout out to 630 Chad, who's just joining the program now. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, we're talking about dating. And this the reason this came up is I was having lunch with a colleague of mine this week, and uh, he's a general practitioner. And so the waitress who we, we've gone to this restaurant before, he and I, when we've uh, had meetings. And so the waitress came up and said, "Oh, is this the sex radio lady?" <laughs> he said, "Yes, it is." And uh, she said, "I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, dating men in their fifties and sixties is horrible. It's awful because they all have." Guess what? Yes, she claimed they all have erectile dysfunction and they lie about it. Is that right, guys? I can't believe that. Um, But you know what? Dating in the 50s and 60s, I decided to talk to a few of my patients in my clinical practice and see what kinds of things that they thought. And men said that, a few men that I spoke to in my clinical practice said after that lunch, said that women in their 50s and 60s are, quote unquote, menopausal. (laughs) They're miserable. They're defensive. They're bitter. And they have a tendency to lose their cool. Okay? So, ladies, you got to chill. There's also, uh, I've heard this from women in my clinical practice. They've said they wanted to meet a guy who, you know, wanted to take them out for dinner, hold their hand, watch a movie with them and not have sex. I'm like, oh yeah, those guys will be lining up around the corner for you. I don't think so. And and I've heard this from men. Men have said that women want, uh, they expect a commitment, they expect marriage, but they the women have little or no sex drive. So low libido. And I actually have a patient in my clinical practice who got married I think it was last year, and uh, she had she was telling me how much she how crazy she was about her husband, and she was so thrilled. She was in her fifties, and she was so delighted that she got married. And she, I, by all accounts, I thought she was, you know, um, <laughs> romp in the romping in the hay all the time. And then she fessed up, and she said, "No, they were in a sexless relationship." And I'm like, "What? He married you after they hadn't had sex even prior to the marriage." And I was like, are you kidding me? He married you knowing that he was going into a sexless marriage? She's like, I know. Isn't he amazing? (laughs) Either that or crazy. Um, So I hear this a lot that uh, women want somebody, but they don't want that full commitment. They're also rather independent. And so they, the guys say that they seem to want you, you know, the the 10 men that I was able to uh, uh, question about this. 
sometimes uh, some men complained that the women were inactive, uh, you know, so they weren't interested in biking or hiking or, or that kind of thing. Um, some of the exercise that the men do. So the women said that was very common that the women actually said that the men um, that that just that ED thing came up over and over and over again, but not uh, not second to or second only to uh, that men in their 50s and 60s want younger women. And so they lie about their age with no guilt, no shame whatsoever. Um, but the ED and they, they also said that the men can be too clingy too quickly. So you don't want to be too clingy. You also don't want to be a couch potato because that was mentioned as well, that uh, women said that men are couch potatoes. They have the big paunch. They don't like that's really unattractive. Having any weight on your stomach is unattractive uh, to a woman, typically. I mean, you know, if you're crazy about them, I suppose you can overlook the abdomen. But um, And also they felt that men didn't want the women to be working. So they felt that they were a little bit jealous of their careers, of the fact that the women were so independent. Um, and also they, many of them said they still were finding if they, they'd been divorced. Um, I was able to actually speak to more women than men, but um, they said that uh, if they had been divorced, they once again, they didn't want to become a mother again. That's why they left the first guy because they had to mother the first guy. And so they didn't want to do that. But both groups had a lot to unpack here and a lot to say about it. A lot of people felt that they, you know, were looked after themselves really well and they they wanted somebody else who looked after themselves really well also um and you know but the other thing was people losing their cool people drinking too much alcohol especially when they first met um that the that the person got smashed um you know so you have to really be considerate and think you have to be honest um when you're putting your when you're on Tinder or Match.com or Plenty of Fish or any one of those um, sites because, you know, you have to really think about the person that you're going to meet and you want to present your best self. But you know what? You got to be your best self and you can't be, um, you know, you, you can't be something that you're not. And, you know, deal with your erectile dysfunction. There is so much that you can do about that. You can start with diet, exercise, blood flow. There's even some underpants out there, I, something I saw on the internet, that allegedly will increase the blood flow to your penis, to your Netherlands. And so, you know what? Hey, worth a try. Anything's worth a try. But cutting down on the alcohol, getting out there, starting some exercise, and um, you know, not kind of delaying. You know, a lot of women do want to have sex in their fifties and sixties. So, making sure that you can look up is important. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.